Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. continue in our study in Matthew chapter 3 and 4. Matthew chapter 3. And before we read, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to our hearts. Teach us your word, O Lord. And we pray that as your people, our hearts, our spirits, our minds would be open and receptive to your truth. And then, Father, we, we acknowledge that the sermon really isn't complete until we live it out in our daily lives. And so many churches have the sign over the entrance, enter to worship and depart to serve. Help us, Lord, to understand that as we live here upon the earth, we have the tremendous privilege of both worshiping and serving you taking your message of love to a lost and dying humanity. We pray that we will be faithful witnesses of your truth. And again, Lord, for anyone here today who doesn't know whether or not they'll go to heaven, we pray today they'll come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they'll discover the wonderful gift of life that is found in the Lord Jesus and in no one else. But they'll come to know forgiveness of sin, power for living, a hope for eternal life. Anyone listening over the internet on podcasts, we pray that they too, O oh Lord, will be touched by your Holy Spirit, moved to give their heart and their lives to the Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, we ask, speak to us from your holy word. In Jesus' name, to his glory, we ask and pray these things. Amen. Amen. And so in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, 
Matthew chapter 3, and, and uh, we started uh, into uh, chapter 4 uh, last week. But let's go back and, and read uh, through uh, the scripture here, <clears throat> beginning at verse 1 in uh, chapter 3 of Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permitted to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, 
and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And so we've looked at the first couple of portions of uh, this passage, but let me quickly go over the, uh, the first couple of points that we looked at last week. Jesus demonstrated true humility. He came to John the Baptist and was baptized by him. Now, John's baptism was called the baptism of repentance, the repenting of sin. People would come to be baptized by John the Baptist confessing their sins and then stating that they were repenting. And so you see why John the Baptist was alarmed when Jesus came because he, he recognized when Jesus came and you can read that over in the Gospel of John. When he, he sees Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And John, the Baptist, knowing that he himself was a sinner, but Jesus is God the Son who is without sin. He's sinless. John says, You're coming to be baptized? <laughs> I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, allow it, allow it to be so. For thus, it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. I want to give you a, a definition here to fulfill all righteousness. I found this in, um, it's called the, uh, the New American Commentary. The writer writes, to complete everything that forms part of a relationship of obedience to God. Let me read that one more time. To complete everything that forms part of a relationship of obedience to God. The Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus did everything humanly possible to obey God the Father and to glorify Him. And so... In coming to John to be baptized, Jesus was not repenting of any sin, but rather he was demonstrating and fulfilling a life of obedience to God the Father. And he was also putting a stamp of approval in the ordaining of John the Baptist's ministry. By coming to John the Baptist and being baptized, Jesus was putting the seal of approval upon the work of the ministry, and the message of John the Baptist. And Jesus demonstrated humility. And he identified with us, with all of humanity. He identified with us, sinful humanity. Here he left the splendor of heaven and became a man. Now, Jesus is sinless. He's without sin. And so, just so that you can read that for yourselves, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. <clears throat> and verse 21. Notice what it says. 
For he made him, he being God the Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him or in him. Jesus is without sin. He is sinless. Now, we also read that when Jesus came up out of the water, that God the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, into whom I am well pleased. Jesus was commissioned there at his baptism. It was like the commissioning service, if you will, of missionaries or the ordaining service of, of deacons and preachers who are set apart. But notice now, as we move on to the second point, notice that after the baptism, after the Holy Spirit comes down upon the Lord and God the Father speaks those beautiful words, God the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and at the end of that 40 day period he is now tempted. And it's not unusual and if you haven't learned this, well, learn it today. And no pun is intended here, but when you have a mountaintop experience in the Lord, or you, um, the Lord uses you in some mighty way, that soon after, you may experience a severe trial or temptation. It's the devil's way of doing his best to undermine you and your life. Now, the Bible teaches that God allows us. God does not tempt us with evil. We read that over in the, in the book of James, the first chapter. God doesn't tempt us with evil, but he allows the devil to do so. But the devil cannot do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. Remember that. Remember that God is always in control. But the Bible teaches that there is no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man or to, to humans. But God will, with the temptation, also provide a way of escape so that we may be able to endure, to overcome, to be victorious. Never say, because it is not correct, that when you've been tempted and you've fallen, that it was God's fault. No, it's your own fault. But we, like Adam, like to put the blame on God. Remember when, when God came into the garden because they had broken God's commandment? God spoke to Adam. He said, what have, what have you done? He said, well... You know, everything was going well until you gave me this woman. <laughs> and she, you know, she, uh, she, uh, you know, she offered me the fruit, and yes, I, I did eat. But I was doing fine before she came along. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm paraphrasing that. 
But what was he really saying? He said, this woman that you gave me, and she was a gift. She was a gift. The most, the most beautiful, if you will, of all of God's creation. But we, we like to blame God. Remember, you remember Flip Wilson? <laughs> the devil made me do it. Right? The devil made me do it. Yes, the devil is the tempter. As a matter of fact, the word in here that's used in some of your translations, depending upon which version uh, of the Bible you have, it will use the word accuser, and the accuser says. Right? Because that's what it actually means in the Greek. The word in the Greek, if it's actually translated into English, it's the accuser. And in Hebrew, the word for Satan, Satan means the accuser. So the word that we have in the English as a devil actually is accuser. And the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses us day and night. So, when you're pointing the finger at someone, you know, when you're, when you're doing this, and, you're, and you're, you're pointing the finger, and you're, you're criticizing, and you're extremely critical of someone else, guess who you're following. Don't be an accuser. Don't be one of those. Now, something else. Jesus was led up into the wilderness. Alright? The wilderness. You see, Jesus is the epitome of Israel. He is. He is Israel. You follow what the Israelites failed to do in the wilderness, Jesus was victorious. You follow? They were tempted in the wilderness and they failed. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but he was victorious. He fulfilled what the Israelites did not do. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Now when he was tempted, and we, we mentioned this last week, when he was tempted, how did he defeat the devil? Did he defeat the devil by using his divine power? No. He defeated the devil by using the word of God. Now, we will say this, God's word is divine. It is spirit-inspired, inspired by God the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that holy men of God spoke as God the Spirit gave them the utterance, if you will. Enabled them to speak. So yes, the word is divine, but it is the truth, and it is, it is God's holy word. And Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. And we mentioned last week that there are so many scholars who, who, who bring into question the the validity of the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus had no problem with the book of Deuteronomy. And he quoted from it. In every one of these temptations, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6 through 8, and then also chapter 10. And notice the temptations that, that were given. And we, we mentioned this last week as well. Just like the temptations in the garden, 
The temptations that the devil tempted Jesus with are the same, same temptations that we're tempted with today. The appetite. Personal gain. Fame. Popularity. Sadly, in America, most politicians are elected based upon popularity. If they speak real nice, the people will vote for them. Boy, if they speak roughly, they want nothing to do with that person. Even though the one speaking nicely is lying and the one speaking harshly is telling the truth. <laughs> Jesus spoke with authority. With authority. So let's move on to, well, let's look at that last subpoint there, D. Jesus gave the correct interpretation and application of God's word. And we mentioned that the devil quotes in, in, in these temptations, he, he quotes from Psalm 91. But he only gives a partial quote. It's called lifting, lifting a verse out of context. There are lots of people who do that. They like to lift a verse out of context. Now, I'll give you this fancy word, hermeneutics. It has to do with the, with the, the study of interpreting the Bible. How to properly interpret the Bible. And so over the last 2,000 years, the church has developed an accepted method, if you will, of interpreting the Bible. And we don't establish a doctrine, a Christian doctrine, based solely upon one verse in the Bible. It's hard for a lot of people to both accept or to understand that. And I've said many times, the Bible is its own best commentary. The New Testament for the Old and the Old Testament for the New. We interpret the Bible, we study the Bible, and we compare the old and the new. Now, Jesus is the God-man. He's fully God, and he's fully man. But there in the wilderness temptation, he defeated the devil without using his divine power. He defeated him as a man. You follow? Because the devil was no match for him in his divine power because God is greater than all. But Jesus was also a man, fully human. And so the, the debate goes on and on. Well, could Jesus have sinned? Because the Bible says it's impossible for God to sin. But remember that Jesus is the God-man. Now, whether or not he could sin or not sin, only God knows. But the temptation was real. And in his flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ did not yield. He did not yield. Now, he revealed his humanity. He became hungry. I'd say after 40 days. And notice, the devil tempts him with the very thing that he needs. 
And that is, that is the, the uh, modus operandi of the devil. Something that you need. He'll tempt you with something that you need. Say, so, well, it's good. That's what she said. Well, it, it, it looks good. He was hungry. But Jesus refused to turn those stones into bread. He didn't use his divinity to ease the circumstances. The devil said, now look, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. You will be the king of all of them. The Bible says the devil is the god of this world. It is of this, of this world that is at odds with God. But make no mistake about it, it is God the Father who provides seed to the sower, who provides life. You know what the devil wanted Jesus to do? He wanted Jesus to avoid the cross. Jesus said no. He would not use his divinity to ease his circumstances nor to avoid the cross, the way of suffering, the life of suffering. Jesus is the anointed king, but he is also the suffering servant. You read in the book of Isaiah, all through the book of Isaiah, there are, there are songs that are called the servant songs. And then, of course, Isaiah chapter 53. And here's the amazing thing. Over in Israel... In the museum in Jerusalem, there is a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, that 53rd chapter in this museum. Now, I haven't been there to see it, but I've seen it on TV, all right? And, you know, uh, 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 Bible programs where they go in and they show you these things. And here this thing is wrapped around this, this, on this display. And that scroll dates back to the 2nd century B.C. That's 200 years before Jesus actually walked on the earth. That's how old that scroll is. It was discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls, because the book of Isaiah was found, the entire book of Isaiah was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And what was amazing was that the, 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 the book of Isaiah was the same book of Isaiah that we have today. Because you've heard people say, oh, the Bible's been changed, they've changed it, blah, 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 it's been changed, and who knows which one is correct, and blah, they go on and on and on, right? Well, guess what? No, it hasn't been changed. Well, the person says, yeah, but what version are you reading? Well, I have the New King James Version, because the Old King James Version had the hither and thither and thou Right? And whitherest thou goest. Okay? As opposed to where are you going? <laughs> but the meaning, the meanings are the same. Understand? The meanings are the same. So you could be reading a, the Bible in Spanish or Italian or German or whatever, whatever language. It's only here in the United States that people make this, they make such a fuss over whether it's the, the King James or the New King James. So what do the people in South America read? 
They read the Santa Biblia, the Holy Bible, in Spanish. They don't have a King James Version in Spanish. Because King James was an Englishman. He was a, an English king. But the 53rd chapter in the book of Isaiah outlines the suffering servant and the life that he gives upon the cross. And the devil was tempting Jesus to turn away from the path of suffering to take the easy road. Oh, but that would have been tragic for the entire human race and for the kingdom of God. And so, he said, Get thee hence, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So the devil left. But notice, the angels came and ministered or served the Lord Jesus. And in the Greek, it conveys the, the idea that they were there with him for a while. In other words, they just didn't show up and then leave. They stayed there with him. You see, the devil was attempting to get Jesus to break his fast early. You follow? But he had to fulfill that 40-day fast completely, and it would, could only be completed and ended when God said it would end. So he had to go through that trial, and he did so victoriously. Now the Bible also teaches that every single one of us will be tempted. But notice that Jesus fulfilled God's will for his life. He allowed the angels to minister or to serve him. Now, Jesus just said that only God was to be served. Only God was to be worshipped. You follow? And what did the angels do? They come and they worship him because he is God the Son. Sadly, tragically, Many Christians don't realize that Jesus is God the Son. He is God the Son. God has revealed himself in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell within us. So when we pray, we should ask God the Holy Spirit to illuminate our understanding and to empower and anoint us to live a life of power that honors and glorifies the Lord. So many people read the Bible, they can't understand it. The first thing you need to do is ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help you understand it. And the beautiful thing is, He does. He does. Jesus fulfilled God's will for his life. Tests come to each of us. But remember, and we, we looked at the first epistle of John, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the ways that the devil tempts us. So let's go to the last point. So what do we learn from these passages? Well, first of all, Everyone is tempted. 
Everyone is tempted. Every human being is tempted. Now, to be tempted is different from actually sinning. You follow? Jesus was tempted. Now, you need to understand also that that wasn't the only time that the devil tempted. The devil continuously tempted him throughout his ministry on, on earth. He didn't just, you know, tempting those three times and then this stopped and then there, were, there was no more temptation. All throughout his ministry, Jesus was tempted by the devil in many different ways. And here, sadly, and this is the way um, we're tempted, or one of the ways that we're tempted, through other people. Through other people. You know, the, the Jewish leaders of this time, they were always doing their best to entrap Jesus. And then they, they would tempt him to use his divine power to prove who he was. Even at his trial. Even at his trial. They did their best to get him to say who he was. And there was one condition, one condition, in which Jesus then actually proclaimed who he was. When the priest said, I adjure thee by the living God to tell us. And do you remember the, the response? He said, I tell you this, you will see, right, the Son of Man and the angels of heaven. That's when they, they lost it, okay? Because what was he declaring? He was declaring that he was, in fact, the Son of God. But it was because the statement was made, I'm asking you by the living God. So, Jesus gave the answer. But everyone is tempted. Now, the devil wants you to believe that you're a terrible person. The devil wants you to believe that you're a terrible Christian. The devil wants you to believe that there's really no hope for you, that you'll, you'll never be the kind of person who pleases God. But the Bible teaches otherwise. The Bible teaches that you, that we, have been created in the image of God and we have tremendous potential. Tremendous potential for good. We studied in the book of Ezekiel this morning about the dry bones, the valley of dry bones. And the potential there, God's potential. And no one but God knows his potential. Amen? And God knows what potential we have or rather that he has in us and through us. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not that important. Yes, you are. You are important to God. And you make a difference. Your life matters. Your life counts. God wants you to know that. And God can do great and tremendous things through your life. You matter to God. The devil 
He wants to undermine your confidence. He wants to undermine your faith. He wants to undermine your life. The Word of God must be correctly interpreted and applied in every area of life. We don't have time to look at that, but I would encourage you to read this passage in Romans. Read that passage. And then we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. Again, Romans. And then also Psalm 25.5, where the psalmist calls out to God to lead and guide him by his Spirit. And then lastly, we're called to a life of faithful obedience. Do we blow it? Yes, we, we do blow it from time to time. We, we all make mistakes. I wish I could stand up here and say, Oh, you know, I've never blown it. I've never made a mistake, you know. You know I can't. I'm a sinner just like you. I need to know Jesus is my Savior just like you. I need the forgiveness of God just like you. God is so loving. God is so gracious and kind. And Jesus here in this 17th verse in, in chapter 4, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that word repent mean? Well, it means to agree with God. It means to change your mind, to change your heart attitude. It's a change that, that results in a changed life, the direction of one's life. Maybe you've been living for self, or maybe you've been listening to the devil's lies. You think that you're not important. You're important to God, and you matter. Maybe you're not sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. God wants you to know, K-N-O-W, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, that you may know that you have eternal life, and this life is in his son. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. <coughs> Come to the Lord. Give your heart and life to him. As we stand and sing, you come, you walk down that aisle. <coughs> Jesus walked to the hill called Calvary for you. You step out for him. Let's stand, please, as we sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.